I'm Cape. And I'm Drew. We're just two former student athletes who understand the game. Not just on the court. But in life. At the end of the day, we just want to help. Today's athletes and former just trying to find their way. It's bigger than sports. This, this is, is the Cape and Drew Podcast. Podcast the, the Real, real TikTok. TikTok. What's up, everybody? I'm Cape. I'm Drew. Today, uh, we got episode 17, and uh, we got a special guest today, my uh, former colleague, somebody always kind of looked out for me, uh, Brother Malise Pettyway. How you doing today, man? What's going on, Kings? How y'all doing today? <laughs> we doing good, man. We doing good. So, you know, before we kind of get into your background a little bit, uh, just tell us kind of like how you got started within uh, higher education. Man, it started with uh, being a student athlete, man. I was a track and field student athlete, uh, first at Central Arizona uh, College, which is a JUCO, and then I uh, got a scholarship to go to uh, University of Southern Mississippi. So uh, mm -hmm. shout out to them Golden Eagles down there in Hattiesburg. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, just, you know, I knew I always wanted to get into athletics. Mm. And I'll tell you what, man, they make it hard on a brother. <laughs> it, it, you know, uh, bro, I know you're a capper. Kate, you pledge anything, bro? You cross anything? Me, find me, baby. What's up? <laughs> I feel you, bro. But, hey, hey when, to get in, it's a pledging process, man, I feel like. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was a lot of free work, free labor, and a lot of uh, people that didn't recognize it. And mm -hmm. you got that uh, political game that you got going on, too, that you're fighting. Um, I knew I always wanted to be an athletic director, so that means you got to get into money. Um, but when you try to get in, man, a lot of folks will push you, especially if you're a minority, specifically African-American male, they're going to push you to that academic side. Mm -hmm. I gave my academic advisor fits, not because of grades, because I just didn't like going to class. So I knew I didn't want to do that, yeah, um, yeah. but they tried our best to, they tried their best to influence me. And, at, you know, I, that was the only card that I had to play. So I, I took it just to get myself into it, man, and started working study hall, mentoring, and, uh, you know, tutor some, some courses. But I ended up liking it. Mm -hmm. And being able to talk to the kids, it's like, all right, man, I could probably do this for like two or three years. And so um, two and three years, man, turned into 12. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh, started at, I started out at... Uh, full-time at University of UAB, uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham, UAB. Mm -hmm. uh, shout out to them Blazers. Yes, uh, and then I did the football team over there. I, and then I moved to the University of South Carolina where I uh, worked with track and field and cross country. Okay. Uh, shout out to my frat, uh, Curtis Fry, uh, and Delethea Quarles, and Mike Sargent, Kevin Brown. Pause, pause, pause. <laughs> Curtis Fry family, man. That's your family? <laughs> you talking, talking about the track coach. Yeah. So he from he from where my people from. My my dad and my mother from Southern Pines or from that area. Like they family. Like like my dad and him are like close. They ain't like blood close, like blood name close, like right. related. But they they family. So Curtis, I still I've been in the University of South Carolina now for like a year and a half. And me and him have talked on the phone before I took the job. He kind of talked me about what I needed to know. You know how that go. Gave me the gave me the talk. And, um, but yeah, man, when I, I talked to him twice since I've been here, but yeah, man, it's funny. It's a small world. That's all. I just had to pause you for <laughs> Good Hey, man. Hey, bro, I tell you what, great people. Yeah. Uh, he'll piss you off too. 
because <laughs> he's, he's gonna work you, you know. Um, but what I've learned most from that staff is how to not accept no. Mm. You know, when somebody tells you no, you find another way and you keep going mm -hmm. until you get the answer that you want. So uh Curtis Fry, man, legend, a uh, Hall of Famer, shout out to Frat. Um and Ron Garner too, man. Ron Garner is a great dude. He's out of uh, North Carolina A&T, but one of my closest friends. So shout out to him as well. Uh, from there, I went on to be a, uh, the head of football uh, advising um, at the University of uh, Mississippi. Okay. Um, advising the football team there. And, um, and that was a heck of an experience too. Uh, some good, some bad, <laughs> you know. Um, and that was probably my most challenging uh, task with uh, with my career from an academic standpoint, um, but it prepared me for sure. Um, and of course, a lot of people are gonna say, "Man, you went down to Mississippi for the second time." They sure did, but, uh, <laughs> but it was good, man. And then um, from there, I went on to uh, NC State where I oversaw football over there too. And that's when we had Drew working with us, helping our young guys uh, with the mentoring program. So. Uh, Man, it was a hell of a ride. Uh, I had fun with it, but it was time to move on. You know, that's a burnout field. Mm -hmm. And remember I told you I was trying to be athletic director. Yeah. It's hard when you get trapped in that academic sector, man. They, once they see a black person and they last as long as they did, they need your face for those parents. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to get out of that once you get in. Um, shout out to the brothers who and sisters that did get out. You know, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very grateful to see that. I'm glad that they're giving us an opportunity. But I try to tell a lot of guys, don't do what I did unless you want to. Right. Be prepared to be there for the long haul, and hopefully you can get through. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's crazy because we went to Northern Arizona. Okay, I was talking to uh, Maurice. He was like, "Hey, man, how you like it out there?" And I was like, "Man, it's cold." He's like. You know, I'm from Arizona. <laughs> Actually, dude, he was like, yo, it's, it's going to be cold out there. <laughs> you're, oh, from, you're from northern Arizona? Nah, man. So I'm basically from Mexico. I'm a hop, skip, and a jump away from uh, Naco, <laughs> okay. Mexico, bro. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, so my dad my dad was a uh, military. He was in the uh, Army. He retired after 20 years. And my mom, she worked civil service with Army Community Service. Okay. And uh, so we he retired out there. We stayed. I did not want to do that at first, but that was the best thing that could have happened for me. Okay. Uh, just with the route that we took. But yeah, Sierra Vista, Arizona, man, that's my hometown. Southeast corner. Right so I was just going to say my in-laws from Arizona, they both went to Arizona State University. Okay. Uh, yeah, my wife. So, you know, so, you, so we got a joke too. So we don't call Phoenix and Tempe. That's not Arizona. That's California East. Uh, I'll make sure next time I talk to them, I said, man, y'all ain't from Arizona, y'all from California East. Yeah, nah, see, see, they got civilization, and everywhere around us, it's just out there. Like, yeah. we, we, we don't have a whole lot going on. Tucson has a little bit, um, but Sierra Vista is not a lot going on other than the military installation. Yeah. And the Grand Canyon. I mean, and then, you know, you saw, y'all saw, y'all saw Flagstaff. Totally different from the rest of Arizona. It looks like you're in uh, Oregon or something. Well, I ain't never been to Oregon. It looked like it looked like my hometown of Fayetteville, North Carolina, with with mountains. Okay. <laughs> so, and it was no cold, doubt. man. It was brick out there. But um, 
We had, had Oregon weather though, didn't it? <laughs> it was cold. It was brick out there, but we had a good time with the student athletes, man. So I mean, it's all good. So your trajectory has led you to your current role. Um, tell mm -hmm. tell everybody kind of what you do now. So I'm a program manager for the trust, uh, which is powered by the NFLPA. Uh, basically, what we're doing is getting former uh, NFL players to um, basically just help them transition to life after football. Mm. Uh, there are different ways to do that. Of course, we have the athletic, uh, the academic side, where we try to help guys who didn't finish their college or their um, bachelor's degree try to complete that. Um, then we also try to help them get careers, uh, get their career started, whether it's the athletic side that they want to go towards mm. or if it's something outside of athletics that they want to go towards. Um, and then trying to make sure that, you know, a lot of guys, including myself, I didn't do football, but I did track and field. I stopped working out mm. when I was done with my collegiate career, right? And when they've done it for so long, they're not going to want to see another weight room ever, probably. <laughs> But um, we try to help them go out there and, and get them free memberships to the YMCA. Yeah. Um, help them, you know, uh, introduce them to some, to some great programs that EXOS, um, E-X-O-S, for those that are not familiar with EXOS. Mm -hmm. And try to get them familiar with a physical therapy program, one-on-one -on -one training, uh, nutrition, um, and understanding how important nutrition is now, especially now that they're not burning the calories that they yes. normally would. Um, <clears throat> and... Um, I forgot to mention too, I, I know I said uh, for those that are trying to finish their bachelor's, but we also try to help guys who are trying to pursue master's in their doctorate and even certifications on top of that. Uh, real estate, um, plumbing, like you name it, people have different things that they want to do with their money um, yeah. and trying to uh, grow businesses and you know be an entrepreneur. Because the average career of a football player is what, three years, two years? Uh, it's anywhere between two and three years. Yeah. So, so and, I, and, and, go ahead. I was just going to say, I would imagine people are signing up for this program left and right, because it's not mandatory. Obviously it's, 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 right. it's, it's those athletes that want that kind of service. Right. Right. And it, it, they're going to do it. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, okay. there's a lot of perks to it. If you do it. Okay. Um, Super Bowl events. A lot of guys want to get out there to the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. We can give you some perks if you sign up for the program and participate in some of our things. So um, that's one way to get them out there to do that. But then once they get to it, man, they love it. Mm -hmm. And the appreciation. And, and I know my student athletes in the collegiate level, I knew that they appreciated all the work that all the academic folks uh, do in college and all that. But the appreciation that I've seen from former NFL players, I think when you get a glimpse of that reality, that real world. Yes. And once that jersey comes off, depending yeah. on if you Emmett Smith status, you got it, right? You're good. You're good. Yeah. 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 It don't matter what happens. But when you're but when you are somebody who's, you know, hop from team to team, right. and you're a journey traveler, that's what they call them, I think. Mm -hmm. You're a journeyman. You know, not people, not too many people. They're gonna be like, "Oh, you played for them? Dang, what years did you play?" Yeah, I don't remember you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, you been, you had to play football. Like. <laughs> right, right. And then, but the 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 road is a little different, and so that's when we're kind of like, you know, I have a great group uh, of of coworkers that I work with, 
Uh-huh. They've been very helpful. And, and I'll, there's, a, there's another thing that I want to talk to you about what we do that I knew was going to be a little bit of a challenge because it just wasn't my background, but that's social work. Mm. And the social work and the mental uh, mental wellness piece. Mental health and all of that. So, yeah, man, that is so key. Yeah, um, that's a little bit different when you're not playing that. We don't got a jersey on the board. Right? <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and you know how these coaches are, man. It's, you know, they have a job. They're looking out for number one, right? Um, but while they're looking out for number one, they might not be, they're paying attention to the players, but there might be that one that's not necessarily being himself sometimes throughout the week. Yeah. And you, you know, that mental, that, that mental health aspect is key. So we do send a lot of people to, you know, offsite different locations um, throughout the nation and help them get, you know, the rehab or their substance abuse or just, they just want to work on their mental health and their mental well-being. It's crazy, man, because as a football player, you got to be a little bit just crazy. <laughs> because it's literally like you get into a car accident every play. Like, it's so that mentality, man, it's hard to turn that off. Right. Well, I'll I put it like this. I think I wouldn't call them crazy. I would just say they're wired differently. Yeah. 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 Right. And they have a gift. It's a gift. Right. Right. right? But at the same time, it's also a curse because out of all the professional sports besides maybe MMA, but even I think MMA was probably a little safer because they stop it once they see you kind of, right? right? (laughs) Like they stop it. Um, And maybe even like NASCAR, race car driving because, you know, if you get an accident, nine times out of 10, you don't. Right. And so, um, but you got to be wired differently, but it's a risk because all those different, uh, things that could happen, especially from the head, from a head standpoint, but your limbs, not being able to walk, not being able Man. to hold your kids, like that's different, you know? Yeah, and to put okay. it out there on the line, I used to tell, I used to work with student athletes at my uh, former institution. I used to tell them, yo, man, if you play football, I, I had a classroom full of football players. I said, man, if y'all can play football, like literally, you can do anything. And I mean that sincerely. Like this paper you talking about not wanting to do or getting up to go to, I'm like, man, that's nothing compared to what you're doing. I said, the difference is you love football. You love it. So you don't look at it like it's a chore or anything. But I'm saying as a fan, as somebody looking at, I mean, y'all are, if you can go out there and put your life on the line on every Saturday, you can, you can do this paper, dude. (laughs) Like, and the thing is, I think you have to, and this is what I try to tell them. That coach is making a ton of money every time you play, whether you play or not. Period. You know, I said, but there's an exchange for that. It's not just your education. It's your network. It's the other things. It's the, it's the opportunity to really find who you are. And once you find your niche, it could be just as fun as football. Mm-hmm. Drew says that. Drew, me and Drew talk about that all the time, man. It, it could be just as fun as football. It could be just as fun as basketball. Track, and, whatever. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. This is what I, especially NC State. Mm-hmm. NC State, UNC, Duke, Central, Shaw, it don't matter. You're in the, the, the capital city or you're around the capital city. Mm-hmm. You are walking the same grounds as Senate, uh, daughters and sons of senators, mm. congressmen, congresswomen, governors, 
big time state officials. They don't, and I tell them that in, in these meetings, and I'm like, and you're right downtown. I went to Had Southern Mississippi, Hattiesburg. Not super small, but it's not, you know, yeah. not too many industries in Hattiesburg, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where in Raleigh, you have everything at your, you got entertainment, you got sports, IT. businesses, you got RTP right down the street. Yeah. I'm like, yo, you have it all. Mm. Take advantage of it and feel like, like you should be navigating through these people like you navigating through these play, like the sheets mm-hmm. on the playbook, you know? It's, and, we, you try to tell them that, but it's like, you just wait. Once it clicks for them though, and you see it, you be like, that's all right. It's, it's, it's like, got you, right? And yeah. I would say, NC State had the students that had, the, I, NC State and South Carolina, because South Carolina, I'm, those kids were unbelievable, man. Like I tell them to this day, that's probably they were probably like my best team with track and field because we were dealing with folks that are lawyers. Uh, Chesley, uh, Chesley, Chris, mm-hmm. the lady, uh, Miss America, that was one of my students okay. at South Carolina. Okay, um, but people don't understand. I'm like, yo, she's a lawyer. Mm. Like that, that girl is brilliant. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not a girl now. She's she's a woman, but yeah. she is brilliant. You know. Medical doctors, lawyers, teachers, um, civil rights activists, yeah, models, you know, Olympians that are big time, you know, in in like they're known economics uh, 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 folks that study that stuff, you know. Right. right. And I was like, man, that was it. But I would say, from a football standpoint, with dealing with students that um, are in the revenue side of it, NC State was doing it too. Yeah. You know, like we, we have a lot of we have a lot of guys who are in the background of a lot of things that are major that I had no idea about before I got here. Mm-hmm. And I saw who I was working with. Yeah. And so I was really I was like, proud uh, about that. It's really big considered like, you know, they're good, but it's not like Alabama, but it's it sure feels like it in the area. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's big time football, right? And so, um, we, you know, when I was there, we, we had the opportunity to really um, blow the lid off the scene in 2017. We had a great season. Um, but just imagine if we had just a couple more plays from beating Clemson. Oh, yeah. We yeah. were one play from beating Wake Forest, right? And like Notre Dame, they 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 beat us. I, there was nothing about it. They were just, good. and I think the the weather distracted us a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then we were one play away from, you know, or a couple plays away from going into overtime with South Carolina, which would have been a totally different game mm-hmm. and a different outcome. But the correlation between that was those guys were stellar on and off the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the correlation. And when you're doing things right off the field, I tell them all, you do it on the field too. It's easy. It's clockwork. clockwork. And that kind of leads into our, our next thing. So you've seen at both levels, like, you know, like they say, you know, at one day, balls don't stop bouncing, right? Or the, you got to mm-hmm. take it off. So can you kind of talk about, like, the need for your position, how you, how you see it firsthand impacting NFL guys? Oh, man, it is, you know – there's a high need from not just my position, but the partners that we work with, um, Athlife, um, uh, 
UNC Medical, Tulane Medical, um, Eisenhower, Lakeview. Like there's a heavy need for all of these people that we work with. And I apologize for those that I left off, um, but you're not forgotten and we appreciate the services that you do. But there's just a, it's just a heavy need, man, because it takes, just like they say, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, it takes a village to look out for their fellow man too. I don't care how old you get. Mm-hmm. We all gonna need some help because we're not all experts. Um, Brother Cap, I'm not sure what you do, but you know, do you think you can do mental health, like coach somebody in the mental health area, help them find a job, and then help them kind of create their way with school? Like, can you do all of those things? No, I'll try, but I won't. I won't be able to effectively do all of those. <laughs> nobody, nobody can, right? <laughs> right? Right, right. Nobody can, right? Um, and, and you'll see where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Nobody can do those things, right? And so that's why we realize we need specialists in all different areas in where we're going, right? Um, and this is the thing. This is the point that I want to make. I don't understand why. Division one, and I'm not going to point out coaches or administrators, but I don't understand why they expect academic advisors to do that. You see what I'm saying? To do everything. You want them to be damn Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Superman. Yeah. And you can't do it. And it's, it wears out their time. And then, you know, I'm going to be completely honest. After 12 years, I was worn out. I was burnt out. I didn't want nothing to do with it. And I told, you know, I told my wife, I, why didn't I do this earlier? Mm-hmm. I should have left this after year five. You know, I should have, I should have found something totally different after year five because I feel like I have life now. <laughs> I, I, I tell you why. I tell you why you stayed 12 years. I, and, I, and I just met you because you mm-hmm. care. For, I can tell you care for one, but for two, because me and Drew are like, we love our job so much because we were we were doing jobs that we didn't necessarily, well, I'll say for my end, I hated them. And so then mm-hmm. you get a job that you're in that you really like, you appreciate it more. And you probably mm-hmm. have more free time, I'm assuming. Um, yeah. You probably can like kind of focus. You probably got a team and you can just focus on what you need to focus on and not worry about necessarily what's going on over here. And so those 12 years has kind of got you ready for now. <laughs> um, it, it, it did. Um, yeah. But I, I'll tell you this too. And, and I put my life's work into this. Yeah. Right. I put my life's mission into serving people, serving young people, student athletes. And you made it, you know, putting that care into somebody, but you got to put that care back into them so they could keep doing it. You have to keep, refilling yourself. Like one thing I love about the trust is that you have people sending you messages like, get up from your desk, go take a walk. Hey, you know what? You should take a day off today. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, like, you know. Y'all hiring? <laughs> <laughs> you know, not yet. <laughs> cool now. Um, and I'm blessed to be in that spot. But what I was, I'll also say is, you know, this didn't happen at NC State and not so much at South Carolina, but there's times where if you are sick or you are just not feeling it, something's wrong with you mentally, you need a chance to back away and take a mental break too. 
And when coach needs you for recruiting, it's kind of like, huh, uh, we got problems too, but we need you. <laughs> you know, and yeah. when that kid, when that kid is struggling with something, they're going to depend on you and you got to come through with the clutch. 24-7 too. 24, hey, it, it doesn't stop. It's, you know, and, and salute to all the, my brothers and sisters that are still in that fight. I appreciate y'all. Um, yeah, that's all I can say is that <laughs> I appreciate y'all, you know, because it, it's real. Yeah, yeah. So how was your position, if at all, how was it affected by COVID-19? So we, thank God, we weren't really affected much. I'm My offices are located in D.C. Okay. And so we got the email saying, hey, um, you guys need to pack up your stuff, take all your belongings with you. Um, we don't know how long you're going to be out. So I've been working from home since March 12th. Me too. And uh, my wife is my rock. Um, she supported, she went to her job and got two uh, big monitors for me, um, probably more than what I need, but you know, she took care of everything, man. And so we haven't really been affected much because, you know, our job is still to take care of these guys after they play, you know, after they're done playing mm -hmm. and making sure they're good all the way around. And so that job will never stop. Um, so we're good on that end. A lot of Zoom meetings, just like a lot of other people. Um, and, and, and to be completely honest, uh, we are, you know, we're a call center. Like my job is on the phone. We can do it from home, mm. you know? And I think yeah. the world is starting to realize it too, that, you know, Hey, listen, with 2020, if you got a laptop and a phone with, with good Wi-Fi, good internet connection, you name, name me a job, I would say 75% of the professional, unless you're essential, right? Unless you got the keys to right. the building or you got to, you know, you're cleaning or you're doing some type of, and there's other job, bus driving. But if you're in the business of like talking to people, like all of us are, programming, mm -hmm. uh, networking, connecting people, connecting resources. I mean, I just, I think, I think this COVID has opened up people's eyes, man. I hope it's opened up a lot of organizations eyes to say, because quality of my quality of life, I've been home since March. So my, I don't know about you and Drew. I know we talk all the time. My quality of life has improved. Like I ain't sitting there trying, ain't no, ain't that much traffic in South Carolina anyway, but just right. the, the commute, I'm not commuting. Um, you know, if I want to take a walk or run during the middle of the day, I can. Uh, my wife is working from home too. So seeing her throughout the day, having conversations. So I'm like, man, I ain't tripping. I mean, <laughs> I could work from home forever now. I mean, you know, I'm cool. Yeah, it, it's, I love it, man. Just because, you know, I was commuting every weekend. So Friday night, I would drive home. I get to Raleigh probably about 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Hmm. So you then, still live in Raleigh? Oh, oh I'm not living in DC. <laughs> I'm not living in DC. Ah, and, okay. and here, here's the thing, and this is what I tell a lot of people. I love DC. Mm -hmm. DC is a great place, very historic, everything, right? I can't afford it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you preach it to the choir, brother. I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell I, you, it's crazy up there. It, it is, and you know, I we were looking for apartments to kind of figure out how we were going to make this work and a garage. 
to rent out a garage <laughs> costs twelve hundred a month. Yeah. I was just like, yo, that's mortgage. <laughs> mortgage, dog. And if you're paying twelve hundred a month in North Carolina, you got at least a three, four bedroom crib. Gated. <laughs> gated, dog. Gated. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to live in uh Alexandria. I used to work up there in LaFont Plaza. Okay. And so I used to live in Alexandria because my wife is from Northern Virginia. And so okay. I moved up there making it work right after masters and all that. So I'm up there. I was up there for like two years. And I just thought about it. I said, man, I can't live like this. this don't, man, I, I would have never at 25, 26 or whatever age I was, I would have never been able to get ahead up there. Never. Mm -hmm. Not with the cost of living. It's just no way. No, Not unless you're making 80. Or ninety nah, nah, bro, you can go up. You probably about <laughs> I'll say about. I mean, to be to be okay and comfortable and really yeah. like yeah. be able to do what you want to do. Right. I would say you probably have to make about one hundred twenty-five. I agree. You know, you're right. Um, you might. You like I tell people. People ask me, "How did you live in Alabama?" I said, "Well, have you been there? How could you been there?" Right. Um, How'd you do South Carolina? I said, first of all, don't you ever not South Carolina. South Carolina. I love Columbia. Columbia, Cola, you got a you got a special place in my heart. But your dollar, your, your dollar stretches out so much further. Yes. And mm. Charlotte ain't but an hour away if I need to hit the city. You know what I mean? Dude, but here's the thing, you got Greenville. Yeah. You got you got uh Charleston. I wasn't even a big fan of Charleston, but it's nice. It's not, um, <laughs> you, you know, and, and you got Columbia, you got Charlotte, yeah. you know, Atlanta's only three hours away from Atlanta. There. I'm about to say Atlanta's mm -hmm. three hours. It ain't you know, uh, you know, Nashville is what, about five or six hours Maybe, away. Yeah, so yeah. it's so I, I, I was telling people, man, I enjoyed my time there, but the, the, what I'm saying is I'm not moving to DC. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, and I hate man to take a, a turn for the worst. You know, great conversation going great, mm -hmm. but can you kind of discuss? It's kind of been touching those past few weeks. How that George Floyd situation kind of impacts you? Not just him, just everyone really. You had uh, Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, you had who was my Taylor? Yeah, yeah. Jennifer. It's just that overall kind of move. How that kind of affected you? So I'm gonna just speak for myself personally. Um, I was able to have conversations with the entire uh, NFLPA um, and the trust, and um, even in the players' dialogue, uh, which I'm gonna keep all those out of respect for everybody in the organizations, uh, the former the players that are playing now and the former players. I want to keep those conversations private. But um, it was a lot of, I can tell you, it's a lot of emotion. And there's, it's brought people even together, like together even more. And just a realization that we're, our work is not done yet. And um, I, I will say this, for me personally, I don't know what it was that was different, um, but just seeing somebody begging for their life and then seeing another person not that he could take because brother floyd would have tore him up we know that mm -hmm. easy but but that has the, the power 
that gave you that re didn't resist did everything that you asked him to do and you took advantage of him and you didn't just kill him you tortured him mm -hmm. but before that you had fake cops rocking around with swastikas hunting human human beings for taking a run in the neighborhood and hunting him down and then calling him what he called him mm -hmm. at the end of that. Mm -hmm. And then to have people come in and shoot your place of where you live, where you're residing, your sleep, they shot, I forgot how many times, but it doesn't matter. Bullet, hey. she, they, they killed took, they, she, they, took, she took eight. Took I think eight, they shot right? like 20. I think they shot like, like 20 times. Yeah. 20 times, man. And, and you killed her in the privacy of her own home. And before that, it was my sister girl from Fort Worth. She's playing video games with her, her nephew. Yeah, I heard about that. That's it, right. You know, and it's it's like all of this is building up. Now, I I'll tell you this, like. I went through a lot of um, issues that I had um, in my previous place of employment. Mm -hmm. And there are some things that, you know, I'm still healing from that situation because there's things that um, I felt was unjust mm. from the employment standpoint. Okay. But when you add that up and you're, you're tired of getting used to it, but you see in their heart how they felt by the way that they tortured that man. Right. I didn't, we didn't see the killers with um, Breonna Taylor. We saw the killers with Ahmaud mm -hmm. We saw that. We heard it. That was just as bad. But to see it and the brother just begging for his life, he's begging for his mama. Come on. That hurt me worse than anything. I was out of it for about a good week and a half. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, too. I was upset. I was talking to some brothers. I and, and my best friends. And I'll tell you, like, man, it 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 brought the revolutionary Mollies out. We need to take action, right? And they said, Hey man, you, you going about it the wrong way. You need to go talk to somebody. Mm. And I was just like, you know what? And I spoke to my wife, like I said, my wife is my rock and we've been talking about it a lot. And I was just like, you know what? To calm myself down, I need to go talk to somebody. Mm. So I encourage anybody who was affected by that in any way, I don't care if you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, if that affected you, uh, cause I've never seen anybody die. Like I've never seen it firsthand from murder or anything like that mm -hmm. that affected me right you yeah. know so um and i think right now i hate the fact I, it's good because everybody saw it mm -hmm. and we have a lot more allies i think mm -hmm. but it's tricky in my mind because there's a black man i'm gonna be real <laughs> you're always second guessing because you don't know you know, and I think if you have a heart, you felt that, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I'll also say too, why did it take so long? 
Why did it take so long? It took a pandemic to shut everybody up and you ain't had nothing else to do. Right. But to see that. Right. And get angry. Yeah. I think for me, man, it kind of like, I guess it, uh, like, it just like hit the boiling point, right? Because it just mm-hmm. matter if you look at it like, you, even if you haven't had that many bad experience with police officers, you look at it, well, average American breaks like 275 laws a year, which is like five mm-hmm. a week. That could be this only like texting and driving, something like that, something small. And to see that he got killed over $20. And the fact that I feel like black males are already paranoid enough as it is, just I'm driving, I'm pulling on me. Okay. I mean, you got mental, these mental checkpoints in your head. Yeah. Like, yo, I can't keep having all these checkpoints. You just feel like, man, what's going on? Yeah. You know, you're, you're paranoid by all of these things. Meanwhile, during this pandemic, all across the nation, there's a certain group of people um, who feel like they could carry AR-15s and double-barrel shotguns to the state house. And if I'm not mistaken, any state house you go to, I don't think you can have weapons in those in those places. I, I believe you can't. I'm pretty sure you can't. So, but nobody bats an eye at that. And they're screaming. Some of them are talking to the police officers, shouting without their mask on, by the way. Right. And it, like the, every picture that I've seen, maybe I, I could be wrong, but every picture that I've seen, um, the police are calm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but you get irate when you see us out there and you feel a certain way. Right. And you have to get hostile and you have us in handcuffs. Mm-hmm. Or we're innocent. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be in this situation whatsoever. Yeah. You know, and so that's where um I I man, I had so many tears that you, you got tired of crying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were just drained emotionally. And it's it, it's it starts to you, you start to question why. Like why are people built this way to right. feel this? And it's just, you know, you're at a loss for words, but the only thing that you want to do is lash out at something. Exactly. So, you know, I, I don't, you know, personally, me, you know, I, I don't condone violence of any, time, of any type, but I understood what those protesters were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'll say, and speaking again for myself, I don't think any person who's black, their foot needs to touch any pavement to march for anything else. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people are going to probably disagree with that, but um, it, just think, think about it. We've been doing this for centuries and we're still doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just like, there has to be a different way to go about things. But I think people who are not black, please do it because I'm hoping that they'll hear you. Right. I'm hoping, that's my hope. I'm hoping that they'll hear you because we've tried. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that, I think, I think the biggest thing to your point, I think seeing it like that is just traumatizing. And, mm-hmm. you know, and for a black man, which we all are, I mean, immediately, I mean, that could easily be us. Like it's, I mean, it, and that's the part I, I think people, that white people don't really it doesn't affect them right it's it's just right. like anything else if it doesn't affect you then you're not going to pay attention to it but 
it's it's one of those things that's traumatizing to Drew's point. Anytime you see a cop or anytime you see, because another situation that happened that's not getting a lot of pub is the bird watcher guy that was in, mm-hmm. I think, in New York. And mm-hmm. I mean, I told Drew, I'm like, yo, especially when you think about what we're talking about with student athletes and being young and being on a PWI campus and being at a party or being somewhere with a, with a white female, how that could turn real quick, real, and, and the cops come, who you think going to jail type of situation. And so, you know, all of these things, and then for us, we got to go to work the next day. So my Memorial Day, Monday, Tuesday, I got a team meeting, Zoom meeting, or Microsoft Teams meeting, and everybody's talking about their weekend and how, and you know, showing pets. And I'm sitting there looking like, yo, Y'all know what's y'all know what's happening out here. How are y'all not mad right now? Right. Y'all know what's happening. So let me explain this to you. I haven't had for, for the first time, and it took for me to get out of higher ed. Right. Mm-hmm. People were feeling bad. Didn't matter who you were. People were feeling it. People were upset. Folks were checking up on everybody. Right. 2016, this happens. Mm-hmm. Not just within a department, but university-wide, nobody said anything until the Black Caucus <laughs> had to mention it and say, why hasn't anybody said anything about this? Mm-hmm. When, stuff, when things happen to the uh, LGBTQ community, people say something. Period. Something <laughs> happens to uh, uh, Arab Americans. Yeah. People say something, something happens to Asian Americans, people say something. Right. Um, you know, women, when yeah. things happen to women, people speak on it. But man, at that time it was it was Eric Garner, it was uh the brother from Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and I, it was somebody else, man, but it was three, because they always come in threes, right? They always come in threes. They always come in threes. And so you know, what, what I've said was, you know, I, I was talking to one of my guys. I said, hey, brother, have you noticed that they didn't say nothing? Mm-hmm. He said, man, I thought the same thing. And I said, I know we got a message on Orlando. Mm, right. I know we did. Right. You know? And I said, and I feel nobody nobody should have to go through that. I don't care what you, what category you fit into, right? Right. But I just said, why is it us? It's that it's everyday news. Yeah. So we had to have a black caucus meeting with every, you know, with most, I ain't gonna say every, but most of the black people in a room. And it took for us to really say something and somebody to happen to be there mm. to get their attention. Somebody that that could get the ear of somebody that's of higher power, you know, that's um of authority in that institution. So I just said, man, that's that's really sad. Yeah. You know, and, and it makes you feel like you're less. But man, we had conversations. And it's just like, man, is are you are you really that uncomfortable to talk about what's going on? With that's what it is. That's what it is. At the you end know? of the day, that's what it is. And And I will say people did in my department, they did start having conversations, send mm-hmm. out statements and reaching out to me after a while. But it wasn't until like the week after everything and i know it is and i and i told this is this is how i'm on the front lines right i can't be out there protesting riding i got to get back home i got to be with my four-year-old and my wife that's it at the end of the day i can't be out there like that but the way i'm on the front lines is i'm literally having conversations 
as one of you know how you know how the University of South Carolina is set up. It ain't a lot of us, right? And especially ain't a lot of us at the table. And so I'm having these conversations. And and you know, I said a lot of things, but one of the most important things I felt I said, I said, listen, we can't afford. I, I said, I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's uncomfortable having conversations about what's going on. But I said, we can simply not afford to be scared to have uncomfortable conversations. Like our children are depending on us. The future is dependent on us to be uncomfortable right now to fix this mm -hmm. problem. Because if not, this is, to your point earlier, this ain't nothing new. This will continue for more generations. We'll be dead and gone and our kids and our grandkids will be dealing with the exact same thing that our great granddaddies and mamas dealt with. And that's just ridiculous. We're talking about 2020 and it's still going on. And that's why people are tearing stuff up because what else can we do? What else, what else are we supposed to be doing right now? What else can yep. we do? Yep. Working, watch the news. That's all. You have to face it, man. And um, I'm just, I'm just so, you know, it, it, it just tore me up, man. Um, and so I know in my previous place of employment, because people weren't going to bring it up. Mm -hmm. I put my, you know, I would say a man was shot on my whiteboard. I'll mm. put that on my whiteboard. A man was shot today in Memphis or um, somebody died of a chokehold in mm. New York. You know, I would, because it's like, you might not want to talk about it, but you damn sure going to see it. Right. You know, and so right. I, I used to do that. And man, it's just, we can't avoid this any longer. Right, man. Right. We, we, we got to do it. And, and, you know, and I appreciate uh, the folks who are stepping up now better late than never. <laughs> right. you know? But the thing is, um, you two have children. We're trying to have children. Mm -hmm. um, we're fortunate enough to have it. I have to make sure they don't, you know, they see a lot less of what we see now. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, just, you know, bro, I just met you, but I could tell you, like, you great people, bro. Um, if anything happens, I got to step in. Right. And I think we all need to have that kind of sense of community yeah. where it's just, you know, these things right here, they, should, they don't care about that. No, <laughs> right? obviously, obviously. Cell phones, we, we can record all day. It helps prove a point. Right. We need to do something that's going to save a life. Or, agreed. You know, or be willing. I'm not going to say it on your show, but you know what? <laughs> I know exactly. We, 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 we could talk offline. I know what you're talking about. You got to be willing, about. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but, it, it, but it's, it has to get to that point because I'm tired, man. You know? Yeah. And uh, the way how I'm battling it, brother, is that I'm actually, you know, I'm changing my approach. Anybody that knows me go tell you, I am, I am the polo king, <laughs> you know, and, and I got all the polos in the world. I'm going to, I'm going to slow down on Ralph Lauren for a second <laughs> and start supporting black these businesses. black businesses. Yes, sir. Right. Um, I, I I love going to some of these restaurants, but I'm definitely gonna make that extra trip, even though I don't think there's a whole lot that's mm -hmm. visible in my area in Raleigh. We gonna make some trips to uh, Dame's Chicken and Waffles. There you go. Other black other black businesses as well, yeah. because now I'm like, dang, like I, I've been trying to do this, but now it's time. 
Yes. We gotta make the effort to make ourselves stand out a lot more. And so I was with my wife, we were in the grants. Um, I think we're gonna start, you know, an account, some kind of account with a black bank. There you go. Okay. You know? so, so those are the ways, you know, Polo yeah. gonna have to take a seat for a second. You know what I mean? You probably, you probably got enough to hold you to the to the. Oh, I do. Hey, I do. <laughs> um, so kind of moving forward, man. So with all that said, uh, what did you think about Roger uh, Goodell's comment? Man, so here's how I feel. Cap being an American means you're you're in a capitalist society. And if you are in that top whatever percent it is, you're gonna operate to where the dollars go. And so me personally, I feel he had no choice. He had no choice but to do that. Um a lot of your sponsors are are starting to be Black Lives Matter, you know. Um a lot of your uh your players are going to be like, enough is enough. You going to hear us because <laughs> we are union and we gonna, we're going to, we're going to tackle this, whether you like it or not. Right. Every, every NFL owner is going to have a problem with what's going on. Yeah. If that's the case, but I don't know if they really have a problem with, but, but to answer your question, I think, I don't know how genuine it was. Mm. I'm glad he said it. Um, I, I hope that, he's willing to do something about it. If you're sorry and you made a mistake, I want you to make 400 years up to the former and the current players. You know what I'm saying? But, he didn't, um, but, but not to cut you off, what bothered me is that he didn't say Colin's name though. He didn't, he, he did. He's not. He's not. He's not, he's not going to. Right. Because right. There's there there's deep pocket people absolutely absolutely that have that have power that still feel a certain way about the flag. I'll get into that in a second. <laughs> um, there's a lot of deep pocketed people, but the thing is, he's got to play both sides right now. Right. Because at the end of the day, if you know they players can go left and be like, nah, thank you for the effort, but nah, we good. You don't want Richard Sherman to sit out because if Richard Sherman sits out, who else might sit out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, that dude, that brother is a leader, okay? <laughs> hey, really. I'm, I'm waiting on him to retire so he can do more. I think football oh. is kind of holding him back before he starts taking over. <laughs> oh, he he's gonna be he, he's gonna be he's gonna do a lot, man. But um, mm-hmm. that that's just how I feel about it. I don't mm-hmm. think it was. I think it was. I don't know if it was genuine or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I don't want the answer. I'll tell you what I don't want. This is what I do know. I don't want them to say we're going to give Colin Kaepernick a job in the NFL and he can take as many knees as he wants to before every game and it's going to be okay and just say, yeah, that's fine. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. If Colin Colin Kaepernick wants to play, great. I want that brother to do what he wants to do because we owe that to him. Right. Not we. They owe that to him. Right. Right. Um, we took him away from his prime because he could have. He could. He could have been one of the greatest that ever played. And we took that. We took that unknown away from him. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, 
I think they owe him a front office job. And I ain't talking about no diversity and inclusion. (laughs) (laughs) I think he needs a top job Mm. to really bring awareness to the big, the deep pocket folks in that room. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I think they owe him. I think they owe him that much. You know? It didn't feel genuine. It felt forced. I I was listening to other people. They were like, man, he looked like he was in a hostage video. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like yeah it, it didn't seem like like you said he got to play both sides it was just like man come on man it, after the nfl players made that video right yeah the nfl yeah. players made that that dope video first and then roger came out but i mean and he, like you say he got to play both sides but i know this wasn't part of the question but i gotta ask you i gotta ask you mm-hmm. jay-z his role his, him being hired is, I don't know what his title is, but I'll just say he's a consultant or whatever for the NFL. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he's, um, first of all, what do you think about the hire when they first hired him? Or I not hired him, the partnership. I, w- I should say a partnership. A partnership, right? right? Yeah. I don't have a problem with it um, because the thing is, people don't understand this. People had an issue with Jackie Robinson going to the MLB. Mm. A lot of people had it. People don't. People won't say that, but there's a lot of people that felt like he sold out with the Negro Leagues. Right. Okay. Right. So, if we're gonna do something, honestly, I would like to have uh, uh, Brother Dyson um, take that. Uh, Michael er- Eric Michael Michael Eric Eric yeah. Michael Dyson. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So I, I would rather have him in that position. I would rather have a Roland Martin in that position because I know he, he can really make them sweat, but that's just because I want to see him sweat. That's me personally. But yeah. Jay-Z is savvy enough to get you to see both sides and work his way into the point where you win. I think Jay-Z has definitely come a long way yeah. from where he has been and bringing a lot of awareness um, to the world. About right. a lot of things, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I didn't have a problem with it, honestly. I know people are kind of like, ah, oh, he shouldn't do that. What about Cap? And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You don't know what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Just give the brother a shot. Steve Harvey gave uh, Trump a shot, right? We can That's, give Jay-Z a shot. We had a whole episode about the whole Jay-Z thing, Kaepernick, when it first happened. And that's all I was trying. I got I got a group. I mean, you know, we got these group text messages thing with our boys. And my boys was getting on me about it. I said, man, all I'm saying is let's get a man a shot. We don't know. I trust Jay-Z with his intentions. Let's just see what he does. When I mean, when is he ever? He give us hot albums all the time, man. He ain't never sold out on nothing. He be, he be trying to give us the blueprint through his music. And for God's sakes, he married to Beyonce, man. What are we talking about? Let's give him a chance, dog. Let's give him a chance. Gotta be a method to his man somewhere. (laughs) We gotta give we gotta give him a chance. We gotta give uh, we gotta give it time too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Was he one of the people that made uh, Roger Goodell say, hey, you need to say something, and now you got to do it? Because who knows if he has the upper hand? We don't know that. We don't know. And and with this whole whole thing that came out a couple weeks ago, a month ago now, saying the NFL has to give minorities, they have to, like, basically, you probably know better than me, basically give minority coaches an interview or pick two people as your finalists or whatever the case may be. 
Who's to say he wasn't a part of those conversations and had some influence mm -hmm. on that? And he won't come mm -hmm. out and say he did it, but I don't know. Yeah. Right, right. And so that's that part right there is a little catch twenty two because there's an incentive to to right. interview them draft picks and whatnot. What is it, draft picks or something? <laughs> yeah, so it's like just <laughs> yeah, interview these two and just hire him. Like that's a <laughs> for me, right? So <laughs> Aaron Dean is still an offensive coordinator. even even COVID stuff, it just is really open. Everyone's eyes really to just the the NFL really isn't for us, man. Like they really like it's they don't. Nah, well, think man. about it. What what sport doesn't have guaranteed money? NFL? What sports are guaranteed money? The yeah. NBA is has guaranteed NBA is guaranteed money, right? So yeah. NBA, but they, they got they, they, they're. They're more player friendly, in my opinion. Oh, no, they are. No, yeah, you're right. They always they're are. more player friendly, and uh, LeBron is just taking over. LeBron's yeah. taking over, dog. LeBron's <laughs> taking be over. Honest. But LeBron's to your question, MLB, MLB is guaranteed money. And who else to just show up? Not even to just to show up. Who else? I'll say golf. Ah, there we go. And soccer, but that's not necessarily an American, you know. We got some American and, and, soccer and, and, teams, but still. And they yeah. got and they got money longer than slavery. Everybody, everybody. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like they got British, like old colony British money. Like King James money. Yeah. So, <laughs> so so um but in the in the NFL it's not guaranteed. Mm. Like mm -hmm. not a lot of them have guaranteed money. So, you know, and, and it's like you think about it, you can't help but to look at it and say, well, it is kind of like somebody, an older gentleman told me this too. He said, it's kind of like a Mandingo uh, warrior fight, right? That they used to have back in, in the day. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you got a crowd of people, you got this bowl, stadium is built like a bowl, right? Right. You got this bowl. And yet we got some white folks in there. We got some Latino brothers in there playing. And we got, I should say white brothers because they're brothers, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, you have white brothers in there, you have Latino brothers in there. I've, I haven't seen very many uh, Asian brothers in there, but it's majority black. Mm -hmm. And so why can't we give the people who are really, they're setting themselves up to, to maybe not walk in the future, mm. to entertain us. Right. Those ticket prices. Let's talk about them ticket prices. Crazy. It's hard for us. Systemically, it's hard for a lot of us to get tickets to an NFL game mm -hmm. because they cost so doggone much. Same thing with basketball, mm -hmm. but they're playing those guys, right? But Major League Baseball, I can get a ticket for $20. Oh. Mm. Sometimes behind home plate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, and you go and look at a preseason game. I'm like, why does it cost $97 to go see a preseason game in the second level with the Saints? It's America's number one sport, dog. There it is. But they can't, it's number one sport, but they can't pay the players number one money. I don't get it. They choose not to because they're looking at it because it is so violent and it is so physical. I don't want to mm -hmm. guarantee this running back 
who's the who's the average lifespan of the NFL player. We just talked about it. Two, three years. Why am I going to give him a guaranteed $60 million contract? Now, the quarterback, who are majority white. Now, we got some black dudes getting off right now. Right. But but for the most part, the quarterback is this. Wouldn't, would you say the quarterback is the safest position on the field besides the kicker? Well, if you're if you're if your uh, initials are TB, who's he's playing for my team? Breathe on him, right? Can't breathe on him, right? But let's look at but let's look, look at Cam Newton. Mm. <laughs> Take all kind of shots you want on him. It's right. different. Oh, the game, man. the rules are different, man. Mm. Like there's no protection there. So yeah, that's it. it we we see it. We know what it is. Right. Now we got Now we got to take it different. Now, if, if if Cam Newton is coming at you, two hundred and fifty pounds, and he put his hand down, by all means, play football. Right, right. But if he's diving feet first, and you're not even throwing the flag when it's a head to head, he's a human being, man. Mm-hmm. Just like TB. So it's, it's we can we can go on and on just about <laughs> here, man. When you look at the, that workout that Colin Kaepernick had, right? That mm-hmm. like, kind of there was so many question marks going on with that. And then you look at this coming out with the Goodell comment. Do you think like the NFL owes Kaepernick like an apology, like a sincere one, like yo? Uh, 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 um, they owe, they owed him that apology. <laughs> they owed him that apology when they allowed for outside sources to be upset about what he was doing. Mm. They owe him because when did he start taking a knee? Was it 2016 or 15? I want to say it was 16, right? Yeah, because I think it was an election year. Okay, so the the very the very uh, the very first game that he took a knee and people started getting upset about it, NFL should should have had his back. That's my opinion, Mm. Uh, and they should have explained to them because people supposed to be educated now, (laughs) right? And again, if you're not going to pay them top dollar, at least allow them to fight for their civil rights. Right. What they can do. Right. And so, in my opinion, man, the apology is long overdue. I like to see Cap in the front office of the NFL with top dollar and making big changes and being rewarded that way. I don't think he should, if he doesn't want to, I don't think he should have to put on another helmet ever. Yeah. You know, I was well, like, how about you go on public apology? Well, and my thing is, if he does put on a helmet and he plays bad, let's just say he plays bad, people are going to crucify him, man. You know what I'm saying? And I think he would play well, but I think well for us, because we're rooting for him, still won't be mm-hmm. good enough. I think if he makes any mistake, it'll be the end of the world. So right? here's the thing. What sport can you play four years off and then... <laughs> That's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> you got it. First of all, Jordan still had to get the cobwebs off. That's what I was about to say. We talk about MJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He still had to get the cobwebs off, and I and I was a, I was a Shaq. I'm a Shaq fan, so okay. I was a Magic fan all the way. So when yeah. he came back, I was like, oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> we knew what was about to happen. Right. But man, I I honestly feel that even if he did, if he does make a mistake and he doesn't do as well. There's a lot of other people that were hired before him that stunk up the joint. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm not talking about them personally. Yeah. I'm just saying we know that Cap was a better quarterback than a lot of these guys. For sure. No question. We know that. 
So my thing is, you had four years or five years, whatever, how many years it, it, it was that he's been out of the league. Well, we just got, that's about four or five years that we just going to have to eat up. <laughs> yep. It is what it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's part of the apology. And even if he does come back and play, and I'm saying this again, I know I'm beating a dead horse, but I want people to kind of understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. He needs to feed in that table. Yeah. In the front office. Again, not a diversity and inclusion type position. Like yeah. making moves, you know? I think we owe him that much. Yeah. yeah I, if the NFL does that, man, you know, I can't see it happening, but I, I, I'll pray for him on that regard. Um, so let's talk, man. Drew Brees. Man, Drew Brees, how do you think that he may have divided his locker room or even the NFL as a whole? Like, his comments, I'll I'll let you speak on it. What did you think? So, let let me give you a play-by-play. I know you're trying to eat my brother. (laughs) You're good. You're good. This is good. I wasn't even thinking about it until now. You're good. So, this is the thing that hurts. So, after you see this man's life being taken, Mm-hmm. And everything that the black community has gone through, right? When I saw Drew Brees that morning, I didn't even have to speak the the speaker on my soundbar up. So I just said, "Oh, he's gonna have our back." Mm. He was at New, he he played in New Orleans. New Orleans is over fifty percent black. Mm. He restored the community by bringing that Super Bowl, helping bring the Super Bowl home, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I know he going to have and, us, man. And does a lot of community service. Does a lot of good, does, good, good stuff. He does a lot. Yeah. But then I, I, you know, I had a news feed that came up on my phone, and it said something that was in, in negative content about him. I said, man, what's going on? I said, and the first thing I said was, here they go. They going they gonna try to take his head off for defending us. But then I was surprised. And I felt like, like somebody stabbed me in the back. Because mm. I am a Bucks fan. Mm. And I should not be rooting for the Saints. But <laughs> I root for them. One, because my D-line coach is there. My old D-line coach, he's there. And I love him. Um, but I like Drew Brees. And the way how he just goes about his business, I was like, man, he's top, he's top three quarterback for me in my lifetime, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, man, it was a stab in the back. I was really hurt. One, because I thought – I felt like he fooled me. He bamboozled me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, two, I feel like it's a, it's a slap in the back to my father. It's a slap in, in the back to my grandfather. Uh, my father served in the army for 20 years. My mom served in the army for four years. And she served uh, soldiers and their families for 32 years as a social worker. Okay. My whole life has been surrounded by standing my behind up and putting my hand over my heart to say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flat. Okay. And when I think about it now, and after listening to um, the late, great uh, Dick Gregory, who says a lot of great things. I don't know if y'all been watching, like y'all watch his YouTube, man, but anybody out there listening, please watch his YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that man is remarkable. I wish I had a chance to meet him. Um, yeah, ahead but, of his time. Ahead of his time, for sure. Yeah. And, and um, for me, it was like, my dad, he didn't get deployed to Iraq, but he could have. Mm-hmm. I think his unit got called up because there were some people that we knew that went to the Desert Storm. And during his time, his 20-year time, and my dad's from Deep South, Oroville, Alabama, Mm. he has never been called the N-word until he went to Fort Drum, New York. Mm. Think about that. Mm. Deep South, Alabama, Selma, Selma, (laughs) Alabama, basically, maybe 22 miles away, went to New York and got called the N-word for the first time. Now he's been called everything else under the sun, <laughs> everywhere else that he's been. Right. Uh, but all these terms and, you know, my brother, my brother got, you know, he, he has some racist things that happened to him, um, you know, that we remember um, in the army, you know, on, on their base. And we're looking at things, man. And my grandfather, he served in World War II. Mm. I just, I just found that out today. <laughs> My mom was like, you know, your grandfather served in World War II? Wow. I was like, yeah, in the Navy. And so speaking from my father, he, it was almost like a pledging process to him. He had to get pledged for 20 years. And all of a sudden, when he retires, people want to say, I salute you. Thank mm. you for your service. But while he was serving, he was an N-word. He was a spook. He was a porch monkey. He was everything else under the sun, right? That wasn't a child of God. And now you want to salute him. And that bothers him because he could have went over the desert storm and something could have happened. Right. You know, and it's just like, golly, man. So what is the flag? He'll tell you, you know, you ask, you ask my father, he'll say, I, that was my job. That's what I was proud to do it. But I joined the army because Alabama didn't give a black man that many opportunities. Mm. The army was my opportunity. That was it. Right. You know, while everybody else went to Troy, Alabama, UAB, Auburn, (laughs) he he went to the army. My grandfather, my grandfather's from Tallahassee, Florida. He was drafted into the the, um, the Navy, served came back, he was fighting Nazis, came back fighting Jim Crow, mm. okay? Uh, he was fighting, you know, sitting in the back of the bus, being able to go out there. He fought to keep his military uniform on when he came home. They didn't even want the man to wear his uniform mm-hmm. because they didn't want you to have that hero status that the white folks had, Right. okay? And so when people ask me, you know, what does the flag mean to you? I'm like, okay. Not saying that I'm not proud of it because we are Americans. I, I, my, I, I, can, I can trace my ancestors. My, my folks been here since 1700s in G's Bend, Alabama. I can trace that. Yeah. All right. So we probably been here a lot longer than a lot of white folks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably longer than that. But when people ask me that question, man, it's like Jim Crow, lynchings, police ratings, 
I'm talking about raiding and, and the war on drugs. You know, Breonna Taylor was was definitely a tragedy, but they've been doing that. They was doing that in, in Compton in the 80s. Right. When they started that. South right. Central was getting it all the way. Yeah. Right. And, you know, not taking the topic off black people, but they were doing that in East L.A. too with the, with the Mexicans. With the Hispanics, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so here, here's, here's what I'm saying, man. Like, there was a lot more that happened under that flag to black people and people of color, but specifically black people. Mm-hmm. You know, Drew Brees, I could care less about what you feel right now. Right. <laughs> There was a man whose life got taken away the way it did. Right. And there is a lady who was there to serve during COVID-19 out of all things. And there's a young man that was trying to be healthy, Mm -hmm. taking a job. And you played a maze game with him around his neighborhood and you gunned him down like a deer. Mm Mm-hmm. You think I care about what you feel about the flag at this point in time? All right. Drew, you know better. <laughs> you know better. <laughs> so so the way how I feel about that, um, and, he's, and he since apologized, and yeah. I know that's a lot of his upbringing that he had being the deep-rooted Christian from Texas that he is. Right. And coming from that state, and, and their thing is faith, family football mm-hmm. yeah. and i think for him is philanthropy which is ph but yeah. um but it still yeah you're in this era and you play in the locker room with a lot of brothers who don't come, come from that part of it come on man shannon sharp said it right i'm not gonna repeat what he said he said it right though <laughs> he said it right you know they um, spoke did you see that they spoke they had a conversation you know I'm gonna be. I was. I'm still upset with him. Okay. I'm still upset with him, so I don't want to really like hear anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And and and, and here's the thing. I'm not done with him because we got to give people a chance to change, right? Right. 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 But right now, I'm still upset. Understood. Because I feel like he was. He was one that I was like, I know he's gonna go for. I know he's gonna. If if anybody, it'd have been him. It would have, uh, like, dang. I mean, dog, Bill Belichick and Kraft said something, <laughs> you know? And I was right. just like, I expect them to say something, not yeah. Drew Brees, yeah. you know? So, yeah. I don't know. I, I was hurt by the whole situation. I think he definitely has a lot of work to do. Um, he came back, let's be honest, he came back to get that second ring. Mm-hmm. And he, sh- he probably should have had a ring by now anyway. Is he only got one? He only got one. That's when they beat the Colts. Okay, but he has like he has a bunch of records and stuff, though, right? He's got all the records. Yeah, yeah. yeah got all the records. You know, yeah. he, again, top, definitely top three for me as far as quarterbacks in my generation. Okay. Um, but I'm very, I was, you know, I was, I was so upset with him, man. It was like, I was just like, dang, I done bought some Saints gear. <laughs> and I, I don't even want to put that on, man. And that, I mean, that's how disgusted I am with it. Right. And, you know, one of my guys, he's a huge Saints fan. He was like, I might not even go to a game this year. He gets season tickets. God. He's like, I might not even go to a game this year. 
you know. We're so we're gonna, we gonna end our, our last question on a high note, man. Bring the mood up. <laughs> All right. Now you know, enjoy the night. <laughs> what, was, what would you say the biggest piece of advice that you would give to like you know the guys that you work with or the former student athletes you work with as far as adjusting to life after football? Um, one thing I would say is when you're done collegiately or, or professionally or both? We can, do, we can do both. Okay. From a collegiate standpoint, I know a lot of guys are going to want to try to give their efforts into football. Um, we all have dreams. And I know this wasn't the path to, to any of my dreams, right? But that's when you just you realize, and I'm a spiritual person, God has something else in store for you. Mm-hmm. This isn't the only thing that you can do. Um, and I know a lot of them have been built because coaches, when they recruit you, they pitch that NFL. They put a lot of stuff in their um, facilities to say, this is how many people have gone to the NFL. We have, we're NFL you, we're DBU, we're <laughs> all this you, right? And at the end of the day, the one thing that, really matters is you you matter right Mm -hmm. and football is going to stop at some point um and and i tell my recruits this all the time you know football stops the love and the the people cheering for you all the time will stop but there's one thing that you have that's going to keep going i'm gonna see if y'all can guess this life going what Tom? That keeps going. There's something more. We we all get them. What? Bills. Bills. <laughs> Bills they're gonna keep coming as long as you living. Yeah. You, you gonna get a statement with your name on it for sure. You have a numerical, uh, uh, you know, numerical statement about what you owe, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, so that it's like get ready. Like, and get prepared and find something that's going to make you happy because I refuse to believe that football is the only thing that makes people happy. Mm-hmm. Just like my job, I love my job, but that's not the only thing that makes me happy. Right. Right. And then for life after football from the professional standpoint, I'm, just, I'm new at this because I just started in January, but look forward to the new chapter. Look forward to a new challenge. And also, I don't care if you play for two years. I don't care if you play for 18 years. Take some time to just decompress and spend time with your families. Spend time with your, your, your friends. Find out hobbies that, you know, that you never knew that you had or interests that you never knew that you had. Um, things that you're just going to want to do in the, in, in, you know, in the future. Um, and a lot of people coming from the league, they're going to have to work. <laughs> you know, not everybody, you know, NFL is not guaranteed money. So right, um, right. people that were making $400,000 a year, that's going to wear out. But um, take your money, make sure that you invest, use their benefits plan, and don't take that money out. Don't touch it. Don't do nothing. Let that joint grow. Let it stay there um, for as long as you can. And hopefully they use it wisely. They bought a house and all that stuff, man. Real estate. That was what I would do, personally. Mm-hmm. I would invest in real estate 
because it's a job, but it's you're not working in your houses 24-7. People are renting, you rent out to people. Um, so that's what I would do, but find something that's going to help you make money and have generational wealth. What's up, man? Hey, we, we definitely appreciate you, man, coming through, man, dropping, dropping the gems for us, yes, man. Sir. Hey, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, brothers, I'm proud of y'all. Y'all have a great platform. Uh, thank you for allowing me to be on the show. Uh, it's a pleasure. Um, hopefully I could come back and be a guest again sure. um, when I have a lot more knowledge of what I'm doing and what I'm doing now uh, with the trust. Um, but man, keep, keep, you guys keep dropping the gems, man, because uh, we need more of us in positions that, you know, platforms that you guys have. So thank you for allowing me to be a part. We appreciate you, man. It's a pleasure to meet you too, man. And um, I'm gonna send you an article. I'm not sure if you had the, if you've seen it yet. By uh, it was in a Players Tribune. Don Staley. Um, mm -hmm. She she was an artist. Have you seen it? I have it, but you know, that's my girl. There. I, I, that's why I figured. So I'm gonna send it to you. I'm gonna tell you. She was just talking about. It's called the article's talk, called "Black People Are Tired." So I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure you get it. You'll you'll uh you'll like it. You'll you'll appreciate it since you know her. Appreciate it, bro. Yeah, man. She's a, she she uh, you know I I haven't worked with her. Yeah. Uh, we worked together with uh, USC, of course. Right. And she's about let me tell you, man. I know you got to go, but she's about her business, y'all. Like, and anybody that is looking to go to a powerhouse program. Obviously, her record says it for herself, but I seen her build it. Yeah, and I could have seen it when the championship came. And I, Don, you had this one. She had it. I was getting ready. Oh, she was gonna win it. I was just like, "This is yours." It was. It. it, it this reminded me of that 2009 North Carolina Tar Heel men's basketball team. It was written, it, yo. It was over. It was domination. Over. You know, so I hope I know the NCAA can't really do anything, but I hope that if they had to put an asterisk and give her something, and I know she wouldn't take it because yeah. she's more Philly, she earns her. She earns <laughs> right. her. Yeah. But if they give it to you, Don, take it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, man, we appreciate you, man. Let's let's stay in touch, stay connected, man. Most definitely, man. Well, love to y'all, man. Be easy, be safe. Yes, sir. You, you do the same, man. You take care. All right. God bless. All right. You too, man. All right. Bye.